In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We're going to get you set for this week's home game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. We've got some news and notes, including the retirement of Austin Simmons, the uh, signing of Khalil Tate. And we need to talk a little bit about what to do with the offensive line that has been very banged up. Pieces have moved around. We'll sort that out for you. And we're going into a stretch where the next seven to the next eight games the Argos play are against divisional opponents, what that means. Plus, we've got OCDC, One Thing, predictions, fantasy advice, and our picks for this week. All that more coming up on this episode of the Exodus and Argos podcast. JB, let's get into some of these news and notes. So the retirement of Austin Simmons came as a bit of a surprise. I I get it. Um, I guess he, you know, he kind of looked at things probably and didn't see, didn't see any movement. He was sort of stuck as being a dual threat guy that wasn't quite fast enough and wasn't quite accurate enough to really be good enough at either of those things. He was just short though. A guy that I was cheering for that I thought maybe had the potential to turn into something, you know, coming from a similar situation as, as like Strevler, for example, but just in at this level, at the pro level, if you can't be as accurate as, as you need to be, then it, it doesn't really matter what else you've got. No, he. I, I don't think he was really uh, a factor. Um, and he, he didn't provide what they've been missing since Pipkin left. Yeah, that BC game would have been a time for him. Now, I, st- I still stand by, it doesn't matter now, but I still stand by the fact that he, he got in on that second down play. But yeah, he was, he was the short yardage QB. They're addressing three QBs to put him out there to be that guy. And he still wasn't that guy. And so... Let's transition now to talking about the guy they signed today to replace Austin Simmons, Khalil Tate. So he's a quarterback that played a little bit with with Edmonton. Uh, what can you tell us about Khalil Tate? Is he a similar mold? He looks like he could be a, a third down option. Uh, he's smaller than Pipkin. He's just a, sh- sh- a slight bit under six feet. Um, he was a running quarterback in Arizona. Uh, not super accurate, 50% completion, uh, ended up throwing for 75 touchdowns in his career. Has a nice highlight package when you look at it. Uh, definitely runs faster than he times. He was only a 4'7", uh, 40, which is not very fast. But on film, he's pretty fast and uh, he has some size to him. So maybe he can give them a different look. On short yardage, I think that's probably the hope. Uh, you'd love for him to be taller, but uh, he's, he is definitely worth a flyer. I know Edmonton brought him in to be a receiver. I know the Eagles looked at him being a receiver. All of that seems very odd to me at 4'7". But, uh, you know, I think he, he he's definitely worth a look because he was uh, a four-star coming out of high school. 
Yeah, he was he was supposed to be like the next big thing for dual threat QBs, but I guess just the accuracy wasn't there. But I think what you're saying about the the slower time, um, maybe not looking like that on the field, I think that's probably why NFL teams and Edmonton would bring him in because uh, they obviously see more than what he timed as as a four seven guy. But yeah, I, I hate to dress three QBs. I just don't want to do that. You can't. I don't think you can at any time this season. I don't think unless there's an injury. I don't think you can dress. Khalil Tate is like a, a two, no matter what happens, uh, because you need you need Chad Kelly there. He's he's probably the future. You've got McLeod Bethel Thompson obviously starting. I just hate to lose a roster spot in dressing three QBs, but if they continue to struggle on short yardage and Khalil Tate looks in practice like he could handle some of that stuff, maybe provide what Pipkin was able to do sometimes last year. Let's not forget Pipkin wasn't perfect at it. We had our struggles last year with short yardage stuff, but I, I don't know. I, I would consider it if he were unbelievable at the short yardage stuff. I'm just not sure what to expect. Let's get into the offensive line, JB. It was it was such a disaster last week. Everybody seemed to get hurt. So we had we had Tate go down, and Tate looks like he's going to be out for some time. Uh, Dejon Allen went down for a while. He was able to come back in the game, but he was clearly not himself. He didn't have the same mobility. And we know that not just in you know the way he walked around and just seeing him limp uh, on the sidelines, but the fact that they kept him at right tackle when they had lost their left tackle. And remember, Dejon Allen played left tackle all last season. That fact alone tells you he doesn't have the speed. He's, he's missing a bit of push or explosiveness. Uh, maybe that's to do with the injury. And so Philip Blake ended up playing left tackle. And that was where Gregor McKellar came in, the rookie, uh, to play left, left guard, who actually looked pretty good at left guard. But the question this week is, let's assume that Let's assume that all those guys except Tate can go. And I think that's going to be the case. I think Blake and, and Allen and, and the rest of the line are going to be able to, to pull it together for Ottawa. Are you in the school of thought that you want to try and move as few pieces as possible? Or do you want to get your best five guys on the field, whatever that means? Maybe that means having three guys play out of position. Yeah, I, I, I think initially um, I, I was about... Um, not moving as many people and having people in the wrong position, but I, I've come away from that. Uh, I think the, the issue is you can't you can't have a hole in the boat, you know, whether it be in the secondary or the offensive line. Um, you can't have somebody, you know, as as the old you know the no donkey rule. You can't have somebody who can't get it done. I think if you have everybody at seventy five percent because they're out of position, uh, that's better than having uh, a gap on the line where somebody is is at 50% because it's just going to be exploited all game. So, yeah, I, I think you, you do have to get your best five out there and, and do the best you can. Um, it is a little risky, I know, when guys play at a position or flip sides, you do run the risk of a little bit of injury because everything is suddenly flipped and, you know, that can be... Uh, that can definitely be um, a challenge in terms of muscle memory and and everything else. But uh, I've, I I do think you get your best five out there and and you try and hold hold the hold the line. I think that means then if we're talking about best five, I think that means now we've got Philip Blake at left tackle, which is how the Argos ended the game uh, last week. 
uh, or almost how they ended the game before Blake got hurt. He was being moved out to to left tackle. Funny enough, he actually looked really good there. I, I didn't think he was having a great game at left guard. I think he is one of the best linemen on the team. I think if you're going best five, he's out there. But he, he got off to a bit of a rough start. He had a, a couple of whiffs on, on run plays. And then amazingly at left tackle, a position he's really not suited for and hasn't played a lot. He stepped in a little bit last year there. Um, I thought he looked really good. And just in my rewatch yesterday, um, I was very impressed with his play at tackle. Now, there are dangers with him not being a natural tackle. There, It matters less than the CFL, but I do worry a little bit about length. I do worry about, you know, just being taken advantage of. But I do think this Ottawa team isn't a bad team to go up against with Philip Blake at, at left tackle. And if you've got to have him out there, you're going with your best five. That means he's there and he's still beside the rookie, which is what you want. You've got uh, Gregor McKellar probably playing left guard and Blake's there to help him through things like the position that Blake knows the best. And he's right there with the, the rookie. And then the right side of the line is basically the, the same that you've walked out there. So that's your that's your best five guys. Now, the only other option I could see is if you want to bring Richards in, not play a, a rookie at all. So you don't have McKellar on the field. You bring Richards in at right tackle. You move Allen over to left or vice versa. Uh, and I'm just not sure... You know, you've got more guys, I guess, in places that they're used to being, but I just don't think that's the answer. I'd be a little bit more more nervous about that. Uh, last thing that I want to talk about on the line, because I've been getting a lot of questions about it this week so far. What do you do about snaps from center? Uh, this is continuing to be, it's not like a, a problem every series, but it is unusual to every game have a snap that either goes over the head of McLeod Bethel Thompson or through his legs. And I just don't know what to do with it because 95% of the snaps are perfect. But one snap a game and in a couple games, two snaps a game have been off. Like, how do you, how do you fix that at this point? I, I don't really have the answer to this. Uh, tell the center and the quarterback to come out at lunch and do snaps all lunch. Yeah, I know. And they, they they do a ton. It's not like they're they're just like, well, let's try it again next game. Like there's a lot of work on that and it, it looks fine in practice. And when that doesn't work, you go under center in the red zone. <laughs> yeah, well, we haven't seen that. It's the opposite. Like at the one yard line, they're, yep, they're maybe, in shotgun with, with pistol set. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you get into 30 in and you go under center. Uh, it's such a... That's such a, I don't know, that just, I think that limits your offense so badly. I hate under center in the Canadian game. Well, I, uh, I agree. so but many you, reasons. You, you can't have it. I mean, you just can't have it. it it's not, it's not a thing that you can, uh, it's game changing. I mean, I know the, uh, the Charleston thing didn't turn out to turn the game, but it could have, you know, it, it, it's a huge deal. Every bad snap is a potential huge turnover, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I know then it starts to become like the yips and it starts getting in the head and that's no good either. But I think, uh, you know, maybe maybe you try some more under the center stuff just to kind of calm things. Yeah, it, it you know, I don't know what else you can do other than drill it. It's like a shortstop overthrowing first. It, you know, you just have to kind of work your way through it because you don't want to make it too big a mental block and to add to the yips factor, it doesn't help that every team uh, smells blood in the water on it. And so, you know, teams are going to be lining tackles up over center because that's this is sort of where the problems began. 
and now you've got the the biggest guy on the red blacks lining up right in front of you whereas he might normally be off he might normally be in the gap and now he's right over top of you you know there's going to be talking there's going to be uh, guys trying to get in your head a little bit and that certainly doesn't help but it is it is yips like it's it's like you know it's like anything like kickers or uh, or what have you where um, you, you you just can't you can't think about it and it's really unfortunate because I think Lawrence has stepped in better than anyone could have imagined we coming into this year were really disappointed that Nicastro was going to start the season on the shelf and there was real concern you know who's going to then play center is it going to be Philip Blake like we saw last year uh, and that wasn't really ideal and so considering uh, Lawrence has been amazing and I'm really excited for when Nicastro comes back and Lawrence could potentially continue on playing guard because he has been such a valuable lineman but they just they can't they can't continue like this with the snap so we'll see maybe there's some magic uh but you know you know they're it's not like they're not aware and it's not like they're not drilling things at practice it's not like they they aren't testing him and putting guys in his face and, (laughs) and stuff but yeah you just have to work your way through it seven of the next eight games are against divisional opponents. And as much as the Argos have built themselves a bit of a lead in the division, they're a game and a half up on Montreal. Ottawa's still winless. Hamilton's just got just got the one. It's it, it's pretty uh, delicate. It could turn in a heartbeat. If Toronto starts losing or goes into a bit of a skid over these next seven games, it's got to be crucial that they start this stretch off with a win over Ottawa. Do not let the Red Blacks back into it. I think a win in this game really knocks Ottawa out because I don't think they're out yet. I know they haven't won yet, but there's just there's so many so many teams that haven't really won in, in the East. Like Toronto just at three wins. It's not like they're miles away from Ottawa. A win this week, they're, they're two games back. But a loss this week, and that really knocks them out. And now again, you're in a scenario where you're playing with a bit of house money. Yeah, Ottawa definitely is going to come into this game. This is probably the make-or-break game of the season for them. Uh, if they win, it changes the to- the path, their potential, um, the ability to stay in the hunt. If they lose, like you say, that's probably it. So I'm expecting uh, a, a, <laughs> a fully fired-up Ottawa who just gave away has just given away games this year you know just cannot finish they might be the best 0-6 team i've seen in the cfl in a long time yeah uh, they're, they, yeah they're like you know they are they're a good team they are middle of the pack in almost every statistic except for yeah. uh winning winning football <laughs> games. wins right those last couple of minutes have not been kind to them they've just found they found ways to lose every single game. They, they should have beat Winnipeg and Winnipeg going back to the opener. Like it's just been like that kind of season for them. And you know, the coaching staff is feeling all kinds of pressure. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're not going to, it's not going to last forever. So they are going to bring everything they've got at Toronto this week. I'm, that's the one thing I'm worried about is that Ottawa has, this is it. Like they, they're going to empty everything they've got and uh, and give their best effort. So uh, it, it's a tough game. And if you if you lose this game to Ottawa, you now go into back-to-backs against Hamilton. Um, and that's not something that, you know, they're going to be, depending on how that Montreal game goes, but if Hamilton beats Montreal and suddenly they're right back into things, they're really only a game back uh, at that point, or a win back, I guess, game and a half back uh, from Toronto at that point. You go into that 
that back to back with them, suddenly you're looking at not just letting anyone back into the division, but you could be trailing in a few weeks' time. So it's it's key to me that they get off on the right foot here. They've got to win against Ottawa. It's one of the reasons I was hoping Ottawa would get their win last week, not only to keep Montreal with one win, but to give Ottawa their one win, take a little bit of the uh, the, the pressure off so you weren't going to get this sort of fully desperate Ottawa team this week, which no one wants to play against. Yeah, a win this week um, doesn't cinch anything for Toronto, but I think if you look at the latter half of the season, it puts Toronto in a really good position to get a win here. It really gives them a little freedom to you know, potentially lose a game here or there. It, it just changes the second half of the season. I, I think it's a big game. I, I wouldn't, you know, if you look at the schedule, this is a win uh, that they have to have. They they have to have this win um, to to give themselves a, a, a really good shot of, of winning the division. JB, it's time for your favorite segment. It's OCDC. Let's start with the Ottawa Red Blacks. JB, you're the defensive coordinator for Ottawa. You were trying to shut down the Andrew Harris and Curly Gittins Jr. show and the McLeod Bethel Thompson show. Uh, what are you What are you scheming this week uh, yeah. against the Argos? Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, depending on where the line is at, I'm probably going to send a lot of pressure early, really test those guys in their positions. Uh, like you say, it's a it's a kitchen sink game, so I'm I'm sending, you know, twists and loops and 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 stunts and delayed linebacker blitzes and safety dropping down at the box. I'm I'm, I'm emptying my playbook in terms of throwing as many looks as I can at a maybe all out of position offensive line. So I would say that's certainly number one uh, in terms of speeding up um, the quarterback. And uh, Ottawa has not been very good at stopping the run, but I think you have to concentrate on Harris. Um, I think, you know, Saskatchewan did a good job of it and, uh, you know, probably should have won when they were down here in uh, in Wolfville. Uh, I, would, I would really focus, you know, uh, honestly, first down, first down run blitz, second down cover three. You know, and with some variation, that that's where I'm coming. I'm like, they want to run, they want to run early. Um, you know, load that up because Toronto at you know second and eight is not uh, is not great. So that's what I want. I want Toronto behind the sticks all night. How do you feel about bringing everybody up on first down? So yeah. not just like blitzes and, and run stopping, but like have the corners pressing, have the halfbacks right in, basically just with your safety uh, hanging back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, you want to be, especially for Ottawa, we have nothing to lose. I think you want to throw dramatic looks like that at them and, and basically dare dare them to adjust their game plan. Um I mean, the, Toronto knows. I mean, obviously, Toronto knows that teams know they like to run on first down. This is no big corporate secret. Um, but uh, if if I'm Ottawa, yeah, I I would definitely on not on every down, but I would definitely in that first quarter bring tons and tons of pressure on first down and really try and get Toronto 
behind the sticks because that is not Toronto's game. Now Toronto's second and five. Now we're going, and now the team is on schedule and rolling. It, it's a team that 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 likes to be on schedule and can really like sputter and kind of get all wrapped up in itself when things are not going well. I'll turn over to the offensive side of the ball. Both of my, <laughs> this is this is a disappointing segment for me this week because I, I've got ideas that I really like for both Ottawa and Toronto offensively, but I know there's no way they're going to happen. And I'm going to find that really frustrating. So with Ottawa, first of all, I would start Arbuckle. I think you've got to start Arbuckle this week if you're Ottawa. They, I don't think they will. It's it's tough because Caleb Evans actually played a pretty good game uh, last week. Arbuckle had one throw, a uh, 47-yard completion, but Evans played really well. He gave them a chance. He threw a nice ball that really should have been caught to tie things up right at the end there. Um, you know, he did everything they needed to do to win the game. It's just there were mistakes elsewhere. So that's why I think you're going to get Evans. And I think it's, it's unfortunate because while I, I find Evans interesting, I don't think he's going to beat Toronto. Arbuckle, you've got the, it's the perfect recipe because it's the ultimate revenge game. Remember a year ago, Arbuckle was the guy. You know, he did all those preseason interviews. You are now the guy in Toronto. I remember him doing an interview talking about uh, the season opener against Bo Levi Mitchell in Calgary and him hoping this was the start of, you know, many you know years of, of facing Bo, Toronto and Calgary and um, in this matchup, but like he was, he was the the quarterback. He was the next thing. He was going to be the quarterback in Toronto for many years to come, and we saw that obviously didn't last. And now he's bounced around again. He would love nothing more than to beat Toronto, and that just goes along with the theme of everyone else. The coaching staff desperately needs the win. I think you start Arbuckle. He's just like everyone else is going to give you everything he's got. And I think his game lends itself to beating the Argos defense. I would send him out there with a billion RPOs, short, accurate passes, which he does well. And Toronto's defense will allow you to walk down the field that way. They, they're not, the, the DBs don't tend to press. They don't tend to walk up really tight. And they're going to give you short passes and dare you to walk down the field. And most quarterbacks can't. Most quarterbacks in the CFL just can't string that kind of drive together. And that's one of the reasons Toronto's defense has been so successful. But Arbuckle does bring that short game accuracy. So, that would be that'd be my strategy. Put together drives, chew up the clock, uh, short, accurate passes. And then when you're running, I, I like zones to the left. You follow Cambray Williams uh, off tackles to the right. Hunter Stewart pulling to, to kick out. It's tough against Toronto because with Oakman in the middle, it's tough. Like once you get to guards pulling out, um, you know, Oakman can be such a, a menace. He's so fast that he'll sometimes follow the the pole he'll, he'll sometimes just get right in that puller's pocket and uh you know whoever's supposed to to down block or pick him up can't um you know you ideally want to double team him so that does make it tough but i think that's got to be the strategy of you know with the run game because uh, you you obviously need the the run game to be a big part of your offense jb let's flip to the good guys so you're toronto's dc how are you stopping the ottawa red blacks who put up a lot of points last week yeah they are a uh... A good offense, you know, they are ranked um, third, uh, fourth in that in that in that range for net offense in the league. Uh, they're pretty balanced in terms of they they throw the ball a lot, they run the ball a lot. They're not particularly good at running the ball, but they can run the ball, and they have put up uh, a lot of passing yards. Um, they lead the league in passing plays over thirty, but they don't. 
pass for touchdowns very often, and uh, they have a lot of, uh, I think, quarterback sneak rushing touchdowns, uh, which is skewing that that rushing touchdown a little bit. But they're not. They're they're a they are a, an offense to be respected, I guess is what I would say. Um, they you know they look to stretch the field, especially when they're in their own twenty-ish um, area. So I think defensively, you're looking for uh, deep posts, and they're looking to not score touchdowns there, but really kind of stretch the field. So don't don't get sucked into uh, being too aggressive. The line has not given up that many sacks. So I think that you have to respect their ability um, to to get the ball downfield when you're in the Ottawa zone, and then as you they start to move down the field, I think you can become a little more aggressive, and you can start sending some secondary blitzes. And um, you know I think that you don't have to run blitz to stop their run. Their run is okay, but it's not not uh, not elite. So I think defensively, you, you you don't you don't have to do um, a ton. I would be probably more focused on pass than run, and watching for those uh, for those deep routes, those deep uh, seam routes, because um, they'll they'll eat you up with those. So I think that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a you know again maybe the three man line and and more DBs and a pass heavy defense uh, against Ottawa um, because. Uh, they're pretty good, you know. <laughs> and if they're, if the receivers wouldn't like throw the ball in the air after they catch it or knock it to the ground in the, in the end zone, um, you know, they could really be dangerous. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I know how frustrated you were last week. That was the difference between you having a perfect week in picks was that drop ball in the end. Like there are people with more on the line, uh, like Lapalise, for example, but. Yeah, you couldn't have been happy at the end of that Ottawa Montreal game. No, I, you know, I wanted to cut both of them. I mean, the one guy <laughs> gets tackled and just throws the ball in the air, like you know, like a grade nine kid, and then the other guy knocks the ball to the ground with concrete hands, like a DB, wide open in the end zone. And these are good receivers, typically, right? Like you wouldn't, you don't expect this from their the receiving core is good. So uh, yeah, it it was. <laughs> It was surprising. I, I'd be really curious to see what they do with Arbuckle because, I mean, you know, their their quarterback has played pretty well, and I don't know how much they want to play around with that. Um, well, that's the thing. That's why I don't – I think they're going to start Evans. I'm just saying I would start Arbuckle because I think you don't get that many opportunities at a quarterback revenge game yeah, like this. Agreed. And it won't be the same the next time. Like, this is the first time he's going to actually get to... Like, it, it wasn't the same, obviously, uh, you know, when he's when he's in Edmonton and, and you know, backing up and that, that game didn't matter. You know, he was he was there at the game, but he wasn't even dressed last year. This is the actual revenge game well, now. Well, I, and, and I can tell you who agrees with you, the uh, Toronto Argonaut secondary. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, they handled Caleb Evans pretty pretty efficiently last year. Evans had a, a lot of trouble against yeah, the Argos he, defense. He, he's not an accurate quarterback. You have to force him to be accurate, right? Keep him in the pocket, force him to to move the ball in seven-yard chunks, and you're you're fine. If if you start chasing him or you, you don't keep your edges and he can get out and throw the ball 35 yards, that's what he wants to do when, you know, when the deep coverage breaks down. So, yeah, that's the focus for sure is, is you know, if it's not Arbuckle, I mean, that's the problem is you have very different 
game plans for for what you want to do against these quarterbacks, right? With Evans, you want him, you know, in the pocket. You want him f- to make 10, 12, 14 pass plays down the field. And with Arbuckle, you don't want that at all, right? You're daring Arbuckle to throw the ball deep or to the right side of the field. And oh, right, uh, left side of the field. Or the left side he, of the field, yeah. He only throws right. But that that's the issue too, though, because if you start Arbuckle suddenly, there's no way they've spent a lot of time going through Arbuckle by the time we get to Sunday's game. They, they just won't. The, the Toronto's not expecting Arbuckle to start this game, so there'll be some talk about it. But it's mostly going to be focused on Caleb Evans, and there's such different quarterbacks that that also gives you an advantage. So, yeah, I stick with that. That's my plan for Ottawa, but, yeah, I don't expect to see it. Uh, with Toronto's offense, here's another plan I don't expect to see, which is frustrating to me. So I'm going to give you what I would do and then what I think we'll probably see. So what I would do is I would I would spread six wide. We saw that a little bit last week in Saskatchewan, a little bit of six wide stuff. Harris is a good receiver. You keep him on the field. It's not like you're replacing him. You keep him out on the field. And first of all, you can put some real pressure on their linebackers on Eau Claire, on Williams uh, to, to get them out in coverage, which isn't necessarily what they do best. Uh, and especially matched up with Harris, who is a good receiver, who runs good routes, has good hands. Um, and suddenly you've got a pretty dangerous six wide. But the other reason you do that is going six wide makes it a lot easier on the offensive line. It's sort of counterintuitive. You think, well, you know, having five man protection, doesn't that doesn't that make it tougher? You've got, you don't have Harris there to help out with the line. It's true, but it's also much more difficult to disguise what you're doing as a defense. You basically have to commit to declare like what your intentions are. So when you go six wide, you know, you're, you're looking at the defense and all you've got left is sort of a skeleton defense. They're not sending exotic heat from all over the place. Defenders have to declare, they're going to have to uh, commit to what they're doing. And you'll see, you'll, you'll, you'll sort of out what some of these blitzes are. And it actually makes it much easier on the offensive line. Now, the downside to six wide is that you typically don't have a lot of time. It's got to be a quick passing game, but that's what I want anyway. Um, I, I think you can bully these Ottawa DBs a little bit. I like Sherrod Baltimore. He's he's one of my, my favorite non-Toronto DBs, but he's not a particularly big guy. Uh, they don't have a ton of size uh, in the defensive secondary for Ottawa. And I think you can, you can beat up on them a little bit there. So from that six wide look, I would go with a lot of those same quick screens that we saw in Saskatchewan last week, but you get Harris involved in those two quick screens to Harris and get your bigger receivers out there blocking. I don't know if we're going to see, I don't know if we're going to see Daniels. I kind of don't expect to see Daniels this week, which is a shame because he is one of the better blocking receivers, but Phillips is great too. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that I would like to see them do. Now, what I expect them to do is to leave Harris in there, go with their, their standard five wide. Uh, but if they're going that way, then you've got to get Banks heavily involved in the screen game. And instead of going with the quicks that we saw in Saskatchewan last week, and let me just explain this for people that don't know what I'm talking about. A, a quick screen, like a, a Z quick or an X quick or whatever it is, um, it's just the receivers that you're looking at blocking there. So the quarterback gets the ball. They don't even have time to find the laces. They immediately fire it out to the receiver. And it's basically just your two receivers blocking the closest two DBs and the receiver at the ball tries to make a move. What I'd like them to do this week and what I think they may do this week if they, if they leave Harris in the backfield, which I'm sure they will, uh, is to get back to some of those jailbreaks and 
uh, slip screens that we saw them run all of last year and earlier this year. This is where you now get the tackle to that side running out and taking out a DB. You get those tackles in space. And if you've got, if, like, for example, if you've got Philip Blake playing tackle, that's great because he's got good speed. He's he's a he's a good runner. He moves well. Get him out in space blocking a halfback or a corner and now get Speedy B the ball. Get him a lot of touches on those jailbreaks or the Ricky Collins Jr. screen as we called it all of last season. So that's what I think they will do, but I would love to see them go six wide. It's just it's just not going to happen. JB, one thing. We've been we've been pretty lucky. Most of our one things have come through. Uh, this year, which was not at all the case last season. So give me your one thing. What are you hoping to see on Sunday? Yeah, I, um, I didn't get a perfect game from BD, but that's, like I, you know, the 61-yarder kind of put that outside the realm of reasonableness. I'm looking for an Andrew Harris uh, touchdown. That's what I want. Enough, enough is enough. Uh, they're in Toronto. Ottawa is not particularly good against the run. Toronto has, you know, you look at the stat sheet, Toronto has zero rushing touchdowns. That is um, ridiculous and should be changed. And I'm, I'm looking for that to change this weekend. Zero. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. That, like when you said that, I was thinking back to like all the games. And of course, yeah, they don't. They don't have a single rushing touchdown. That's pretty unbelievable. When's the last time there was a first place team through week seven? that didn't have a rushing touchdown. I'm sure it may never have happened in CFL history. Like that's how rare it is. I, I can't, I, I can't even, I can't even process that. So yes, they have to get a rushing touchdown this week and Harris absolutely deserves it after his monster game last week. Now I will say one thing in defense of your, your BD one thing from last week, wanting a perfect game. Did you know that in games this year where BD has missed a field goal, the Argos are undefeated. So there maybe you, you shouldn't be pulling for a clean sheet from Boris Beatty. Yeah, clean sheets are overrated, anyways. I, I don't I don't mind that from a kicker, especially on a sixty one yarder. Like you you can't anything like once you once you get to forty five, I think I think you're you're rolling the dice a little bit with with any kicker. But yeah, uh, all that matters is what you make in the fourth. Yeah, my one thing is I would like the Argos to. This sounds like a negative one thing. I only want them to allow one sack. That's their max. That's that's all I'm budgeting them this week. It's going to be a challenge because the offensive line we know is not healthy. We know they're going to be some guys probably playing out of position, and it just can't get out of hand. You can't have McLeod back there getting hit again and again and again. So one sack. That's all you get. Toronto offensive line. After that, we got to keep him clean. If you can keep him clean the whole game, if he doesn't get sacked the whole game, uh, Toronto wins. I don't think there's any scenario in which Ottawa has no sacks and Toronto loses the game. So that's my one thing. What's your prediction? Uh, I like Toronto at home. I, I know there there is, uh, you know, you can look at this being a classic letdown game. You just won in Saskatchewan. You're coming home against a team that's you know, hasn't won yet. I, I don't think this Argo team is in a position or are likely to feel overconfident. Um, you know, they've been humbled a couple of times. I think this is a team that is really just kind of feeling itself right now. And I think they go out there and take care of business. I like them. I like them to, to beat Ottawa big, actually. I like, uh, you know, a Blue Jay-esque uh, 28 to uh, 14 win. Nice. Uh, I don't see it being that big a margin. I do see Toronto winning. Just to expand on that, just watching them at practice today, they 
remain businesslike. It's been a it's been an amazing uh, energy, I guess, at practice since the Halifax week. It started. It really started that week. That Monday's practice that week in Toronto got them off to a great start. It continued as you saw in Halifax, and uh, it's it's just been good practice after good practice ever since. And not everything has worked out perfectly in games, but they've been winning. And that's been part of the difference. And out there on the practice field today, uh, they're at, they were at Michael Power today, which is sort of a new a new look for them practice field wide wise. But it didn't change their behavior, didn't change the mentality. They were all business. Everyone you know was dialed in the moment they got off the bus. So uh, I expect to see a, a team that uh, is not uh, going to allow uh, for a letdown because this is the perfect recipe for a letdown back-to-back wins against Saskatchewan winning in Saskatchewan it's their first one ever in Mosaic Stadium and to come back and play a winless Ottawa team that is way better than their record uh, that absolutely needs to win it's it's a recipe for a disappointment for an Ottawa win and so they need to be dialed in and I think they are so I think I think Toronto wins 29-22 is going to be my prediction I think they hold on by a touchdown I think it's going to be tight. I think there are moments where it's going to, you know, people are going to be looking at each other like, you know, how are we, how are we losing this game or how is it so close? You know, a little bit like it was with Saskatchewan last week because the this Ottawa team is good and they're playing for their lives. So it is going to be tight until late and then Toronto pulls away 29-22. It is time for our world famous fantasy advice. We're coming off another big win last week. Uh, I love our roster this week is this is it fair to say this is the best <laughs> roster we've put together for yeah, a fantasy I mean, week that's probably the kiss of death um, i know but i know we're gonna score I, like 20 points I, I agree when when i put together like my first draft i had five thousand dollars left <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I was like, I know. What? so yeah i went back and went shopping and uh you know bought the bought the filet mignon yeah, we've we've ended up with a pretty strong group here. So let me run through it. There's there's tremendous Toronto value. A lot of Toronto players are being hugely undervalued, and we're gonna go pretty heavy on the Argos. And we we typically don't. We I don't think we've had more than one Argo in in any given week. Maybe we had two once. So quarterback McLeod Bethel Thompson, he's just such a great price, eight thousand two hundred and sixty eight. Uh, the Ottawa defense is is fine. Like they, they're they're a good football team, but. With that value, McLeod's playing really good football right now. Uh, I, I just don't see... I, I see him being somewhere around that 300-yard mark with a couple of touchdowns, and I, I think that's that's great for the price. And Andrew Harris has come way down in price. This was a running back that was going for over $10,000, and now he's up against Ottawa, uh, who aren't amazing stopping the run, and he's 8485 so that's a great value play. Our go-to Brady Oliveira as the other running back, 4800 That continues to be a good price for him. And with them continuing to miss, uh, well, also we'll see what that Calgary team looks like. They're going through their own their own COVID and illness issues right now. But that could it could end up being a bit of an undermanned Calgary team. And Oliveira is is due for a pretty big game and due for a rushing touchdown. He and Harris, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see them have three or four touchdowns between them this week. And then great value at receiver. Brandon Banks has come down huge. He's he's 4,600. Brandon Banks didn't get a single target last week, but 
that's not going to happen in back-to-back weeks. They're they're going to showcase him this week. He's going to be one of the features. It's just basically how Coach Dinwiddie works. He he looks at it what happened the week before and tries not to do that same thing again. So whatever you're looking at in film, you're saying, well, we got to stop this. This was working really well. You know, ten targets in Halifax and then none in Regina. And so I suspect this is going to be a target heavy game for Brandon Banks and at 4,600 that's you've, you've got to put him in your in your roster and then our other receiver uh Dalton Schoen I just want to make sure that he's fully healthy he took a couple really big hits last week if he's fully healthy I love him as a receiver especially if Ellingson is is going to continue to be out um Schoen is is really stepped up uh 4,951 uh, he seemed to be the guy that Caleros was looking for most uh, with the injury issues they've had. So great value as the other receiver. And then that lets us bring back Keon Hatcher uh, as our flex, 4,804. I guess technically Banks should be our flex if we're going by price, but whatever. They have all three guys in there. Keon Hatcher is excellent. And BC is going to be playing Saskatchewan, who we know are still probably going to be a little bit out of sorts. It's going to be a tougher game for them. It's on the road. Uh, tough to play in Regina, we know. But... I think Keon Hatcher is going to get his yards. He's been a little quieter since he went off for us a few weeks ago. And then the Argos defense against the Red Blacks. Uh, anywhere else we want to go on this? Like, I feel good about it, but I do. Like, Ottawa's offense is okay. That's the only thing I'm not 100% on is the Toronto defense. Their minimum value, 3,200. I like the defense, but I just, I don't know. The other options at that price, you got Hamilton against Montreal or Montreal against Hamilton. Um, that's that's really it. Everyone else is going to cost you more money that money that we don't have. So is yeah. Toronto the, yeah, the that, team to stick with? I think that's the play. Um, you're you're right. It's it's not an ideal matchup, but I I don't I don't know what to make of Hamilton Montreal. I don't know where that game that game feels like it's going to be thirty five thirty four. Um, yeah, I feel that too. I mean, if anything, you know, if we can figure a way to get BC defense if Fajardo's not starting, but uh, other than that, no. Yeah, that would be that'd be key. Like if it ends up being fine or or Dolagala going for uh, Saskatchewan, but that BC defense is costing you an extra. It's an extra one thousand three hundred dollars, and we just we love our roster so much that I think you just ride with the Toronto defense. And it's not like they're not a good defense. They create turnovers. They you know they they do get points. So um, and against Ottawa, who has been giving up the ball um, in some way or other, uh, I, I just see this as a good play. So I'm happy with our, our fantasy squad. Hopefully uh, it will bring uh, you some luck as well and we can continue our, our winning ways. All right, let's get to our picks, JB. We both went three and one last week, although a different route there. I had Montreal, you had Ottawa, but you had Toronto and I had Saskatchewan before everybody on Saskatchewan uh, got COVID. <laughs> so we move into week eight. Um, I, I'm going to make you pick first this week, oh, uh, seeing as I did last week. So we got Montreal at Hamilton. Uh, where are you going? Um, I like Hamilton at home. I think that, um, you know, they played BC really tough. Uh, Montreal should have lost to Ottawa. I think Hamilton um, is the better team. I think that they're starting to come on a little bit. I, I like Hamilton at home. Uh, I'm the same. I, I think Hamilton, uh, Montreal, just they're such a weird team. They're they're really kind of Ottawa uh, in a lot of ways, right? Like they're they can be really exciting. They're fun to watch. 
um, but they're all over the place. And on the road, I think I think Hamilton they they desperately need a win. Uh, Montreal not quite as much, and and you know we've seen their willingness to give up to give up leads. Well, so is Hamilton for that matter. But yeah, I think Hamilton has the edge being at home, so I'll pick Hamilton. Uh, BC at Saskatchewan. Yeah, this was the hardest one because I don't know what Saskatchewan we're getting. Are, you know, is Fajardo going to be 50%? Is Fajardo going to play? Um, Saskatchewan at home, they just lost two in a row. You have to think that they are going to be backed into a corner and are going to come out fighting. Um, is BC ready? I just don't know how dilapidated or 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 sort of you know what what state Saskatchewan is in um I'm I'm gonna take Saskatchewan at home that uh, that they're gonna come out that they're too good to flush their season which a loss here would come dangerously close to doing yeah, I don't know how they're going to staff this team and whether they go for it or not. I, I wouldn't personally. Like, I think Saskatchewan is a good enough team that it shouldn't be panic time now. They have Oof. not had a bye. They are we're nine straight games without a bye or something like that. Or they're nine, week nine, they have their first bye. This is it. So once they finish this BC game, they've got a bye finally. I would rest for Jardo no matter what he says, no matter what the doctors say, no matter what anyone says. I would rest for Jardo. Get him 100% healthy, ride him into the bye week uh, on that, and now come back after the bye, and we're into a stretch run with a much healthier Cody Fajardo. So, like, that's the way I would go. I don't know if they're going to do that because it's, you know, it's easy for me to say the pressure's not on me, but I'm going to, I'm going to hope they have the sense to do that, and I'm going to pick BC to win this game. Oh, wow. You did, I guess you've just thrown away all that Saskatchewan swag that you came back with. I did not buy a single item of Saskatchewan swag. Although I will say I was super impressed with the facilities there. The stadium is beautiful. It's such a nice stadium. The the gift stores, the the shops in the malls, like it's just rider gear everywhere you go. It's it's the only thing they've got. It's their thing and they they embrace it. I, I but that's that's to me, I was saying this to you earlier, like that's what I see the Maritimes being. Like I, I feel like Halifax is a bigger population than Regina. There's there's no reason why they couldn't embrace it the same way. Like that's their their one sort of big thing. They've got other you know smaller sports like Regina does as well. But like that was sort of the the province's big thing. And everywhere you went were rider hats and rider shirts, rider jerseys. And you know I'd love to see that in the East Coast where I think you could set up the same kind of community. This is our team, our squad, our provinces did, or our regions team. Did they have visors? Uh, they did have visors, which I know has been a, uh, a sticking point for you because you cannot find an Argos visor. I hate visors, so it's uh, never bothered me. But I love a visor. Yeah, I, could have, I could have brought you a Rough Riders visor. They have Rough Riders everything. Yeah, come on, Toronto. All right, Winnipeg, Calgary. Winnipeg is at Calgary. Uh, what are you doing with this one? Uh, Winnipeg. I'm going to roll Winnipeg. Uh, they have, you know, I thought they would have a letdown and they took care of business. I'm going to roll Winnipeg the way I'm going to, you know, to dump Edmonton. Uh, I am doing the opposite. I think Calgary is going to win this game. I, I actually, I think I've gone against Winnipeg uh, a couple of times, not, not picked against them. Uh, I think I have picked Winnipeg every single week, except, oh no, I, I picked Toronto over Winnipeg. That's the only time I didn't pick them, but, um, I don't doubt them, but I just think at some point they're going to lose a football game. I think Calgary is probably the right team to do it at home. I know they've had some illness issues, some COVID issues this week. 
but I just think this is this is a pretty big game for Calgary. They had such a good start to the season. Um, losing here puts them right back into the mix with with, with all the non-Winnipeg West teams. So uh, I think they're going to pull out all the stops and, and win this one. So I'll put Calgary. And for our Toronto-Ottawa, we've both already picked Toronto. So yeah, we've got uh, two different games this week. We'll see how that works out for you as uh, you're 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 back in the in your winning ways. But uh, we'll we'll see how this week goes. Uh, huge game this week. If you get a chance, get down to BMO Field. Sunday kickoff is at five o'clock. Uh, it looks like it's going to be decent weather. It, it's such a good environment. If you haven't been out to a game yet this season, it's been a while since the Argos have played at home, get yourself out to BMO Field. There's a lot of tickets available. You can get great seats. And it's as affordable as you can get in the city of Toronto for entertainment. Get the family out. It's not like a 7.30 start where your, your kids are going to be asleep on the, the GO train on the way home. Uh, this is the time to go see an Argos game. So I hope to see you out there. That will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.